it's not about you. It's about others. It's about getting above yourself in pursuit of something bigger than yourself. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, he's the former CEO of Bridgewater Associates and former candidate for U.S. Senate, Dave McCormick. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Dave, if you wouldn't mind, could you uh, kick off by sharing a little bit about your background and where you're from? Yeah, um, I'm happy to. And thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm a Pennsylvania kid, so I I spend uh, more than 30 years in Pennsylvania growing up. And then uh, after going to West Point and and into the Army, I went back to Pennsylvania and ran a company there for, for about a decade and then went on to serve in the government in the National Security Council and the Treasury. And then, uh, and then ultimately ended up at Bridgewater, which is one of the largest investors in the world, where I was the CEO. I was there for 12 years and the CEO for six years. So my career has jumped around a good bit, but uh, it all started in Pennsylvania. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania in Bloomsburg, had a family farm and grew up baling hay and trimming Christmas trees and, and doing the things that kids in rural Pennsylvania do. And then, uh, and then sports, wrestling and, and uh, football is what led me to West Point. And so West Point sort of changed my path and changed my direction. Grew up in Pennsylvania, got to experience all those things, grew up as a kid there. Speaking of your childhood, a fun thing I like to ask people is if they have a first memory of leadership. Yeah, I mean, so it was a little bit later in my life, but it was profound. It was really um, cha- changed the course of my life. And it was in football when I was uh, between my sophomore year and junior year. And I had played, you know, midget football and I had played freshman football and I had played, played on the JV team, but I really wasn't that good. I mostly rode the bench. And in my sophomore year, towards the end, whenever we were winning big or losing big, uh, I would get put into the varsity games just the last few minutes. And um, and I played defense, and I had a couple a uh, couple big tackles during that during that time. And then uh, that year, the coach got fired, and so the new coach came in, and he watched all the films from every game, and he kept seeing this uh, at the end of the game. Uh, this you know number forty three would. Uh, be on there and uh, I would make a big play. And so he called me and uh, he, he had me come to his office and he said he had watched all the films. And he said that he thought that I had a real shot of making the varsity uh, as the starting linebacker and that I really needed to work at it. I really needed to work at it. And so he wanted me to really lead, uh, work hard and lead in boot camp, which was the two weeks at the end of the summer for football. So I did that and I really worked hard and I, I made the team. But at the end of the, the boot camp, before the school year started, he pulled me aside with another guy and he said uh, he wanted to make us co-captains of the team. And this, I was a junior. And uh, this was shocking to me, shocking, because I didn't think of myself that way at all. And um, I was just trying to make the team and I, I, you know, I wasn't that good. And he said that uh, you know, he, he thought I could do it. And he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And that became really the beginning of me playing a leadership role in the football team, being the captain of the football team, captain of the wrestling team. I went on to go to West Point. And I remember, you probably remember this too, the first day at West Point, you go down in Eisenhower Hall and you know the whole class is sitting there. And uh, they say, who was first in the class? And people put their hands up. And you know who was the class president? People And they said, who was the captain of the sports team. 
and I put my hand up. Two years earlier, I would have never seen myself as a leader, but but because of that decision and what he saw in me, I, it really changed my life. It was uh, it was probably one of the most important things that ever happened to me. Wow, that's that's an incredible story. As someone who also rode the bench for for quite a bit of time, <laughs> that new coach, it's incredible what just a new new person in your life can see, and they saw that in number forty three and. Since then, you've covered a lot of ground, um, as, as you described in your background. How has your concept of leadership maybe evolved or, or changed over the years throughout the, the different leadership positions that you've held? Well, you know, uh, we have this uh, stereotype of leaders in our minds, I think. Uh, you, you see it on TV. Well, we, we learned it a little bit with military history. You know, that strong, confident leader that stands up and sets the direction for the team uh, or the company or the, or the country. And certainly there's a big part of leadership that is setting the direction and seeing the path. Uh, but what I've learned over time, you know, we as humans are imperfect and make lots of mistakes and are very vulnerable and leaders are just people. And so for me, it's become more and more clear that to be an effective leader, you have to be real. Uh, you have to be authentic and really be your, be your authentic self in everything you do. And you have to be a little bit vulnerable. And what does vulnerable mean? Well, vulnerable means that um, you don't always have to have the answer. Uh, you don't have to be certain. The, the, one of the keys to good leadership is drawing on others uh, to be able to make better decisions or uh, to draw on others who can do things better than you. And so uh, my vision of what a great leader is has changed a bit over time. And, and I would put vulnerability and authenticity uh, much higher on the uh, on the list of leadership attributes uh, to be successful, because I, I think uh, drawing on others is such an important and getting the best of others is such an important part of being successful as a leader. That vulnerability, drawing on others, and, and being authentic, knowing yourself. Uh, you you mentioned that we're not perfect. We we're imperfect beings. We make mistakes all the time, and that in many instances that's kind of what gets in the way with of people trying something or stepping into a new role because of that strive to be perfect and that fear of failure over your career were there many ups and downs where you know you had to you had to adjust and and overcome adversity to to achieve your goals and kind of get over that that fear of failure yeah well for, for sure and um you know with uh, the benefit of time uh, as a leader you start to to realize that uh the difference between being successful and, and failing uh, has a lot to do with how you deal with failure. And in other words, your resilience and your capacity to learn and evolve. And I, I, certainly, uh, I certainly have experienced that during my career. And if you, if you think about a sports team uh, or, or the things you learn on the sports field, it's the, it's the mistakes. It's the lessons from the mistakes that help you get the big jumps in improvement. And in many ways, what you learn from the mistakes is much more valuable than what you learn from the success because, you know, we often spend a lot of time talking about what's going well, but, but what's going well are really usually based on things that you've already figured out. And what's going poorly is usually the byproduct of things that you uh, haven't yet discovered and fully dealt with. And so failure is an important part of, of success. It's, uh, it's a necessary component of success. And, and I always get a kick out of when people introduce me and I give speeches and things like that, because it sounds like my career was all this like one successful thing after another. And, and, it, and it really wasn't. There were lots of moments along the way of self-doubt, lots of things that I started and thought I was you know, beyond a path 
uh, and then weren't successful. My brother uh, was four years behind me. And so I left the army, went to graduate school and did a PhD thinking I was going to be a professor, went into consulting, only stayed a couple years, quit that, joined a small startup, which you know became a success story. But for many years, my brother, who was four years younger, my mom and dad would get on the phone with him over the weekends and say, what are we going to do about Dave? He can't seem to find his path. This was well into my 30s. My mid-30s, my parents were worried that I was, I was aimless. And, uh, and now people look back on it and it seems like it all, it all made sense. But one of the things that really jumps out in my mind is my time at Bridgewater. And Bridgewater is a, a place that has a culture that's very well known of embracing failure, of radical transparency, of, of a merit-based culture. And so I joined Bridgewater uh, in, let's see, it was 2009, early 2009. And pretty soon after, within a year, I was named co-CEO uh, by the founder. And 18 months later, uh, I was fired. He fired me as the CEO. I thought uh, about leaving Bridgewater at the time. He, uh, Ray Daly, who was the founder, asked me to stay and take on another job. Um, I had some personal issues at the time, which made me, I had four young children. I made me want to stay and stay in the job for the time being. And so I stuck it out and, um, and it was very humiliating and challenging. And there was a, a whole process I had to go through in my mind. But as I, as I stuck it out, things, you know, I started to improve, started to enjoy my job more, became more successful, became president of the firm. And then I guess five years later was asked to be the CEO again and then was the CEO for the next six years. And that experience of being fired made me a much better leader because um, it helped me confront some things that were legitimately true about what I was doing that wasn't, wasn't good. But it also gave me so much more empathy and understanding of how to deal with people that are struggling. Some of the lessons I learned were for how I was treated, which wasn't good, some by the things that I learned. And so uh, sorry to go on with this story, but it was really profound because uh, that experience of being fired ultimately became a great, great source of strength. And I feel much more resilient and much stronger as a leader because I've overcome that adversity. No, that's that's a great story. And as someone just starting their 30s, it's very encouraging for me. You, you, can, you can look back and those bigger moments of growth came from those failures, like when you got fired. Um, but something you also mentioned was your capacity to learn and our capacity to learn is is what shapes us and, and makes us better leaders. A big theme for this show, the fact that anyone can learn to lead. Is that something that also resonates with you, Dave? It, it really is. And there's leaders, you know, being a leader, I think um, there's lots of different, different definitions, but it's having an orientation, a mindset where you're getting above yourself and you're thinking about the mission. You're thinking about the goal, the goal of an organization, the goal of a country, uh, the goal uh, of a particular team. And we can all practice and implement the idea of getting above ourselves, getting above ourselves and getting above the ins and outs of what's important to us and thinking more broadly about others, thinking more broadly about mission, thinking more broadly about purpose is the fundamental building block of leadership. Someone asked me recently, if you're going to synthesize leadership in one word, in one sentence, what would it be? And, and my sentence was, leadership is not about you. It's not about you. It's about others. It's about getting above yourself in pursuit of something bigger than yourself. 
And, uh, and we all have that capacity to do that. We all have that capacity to do that in uh, our interactions with others. We all have that capacity to do that within our homes and our families. We all have that capacity to do that within our organizations. We all have that capacity to do that within a conversation. And so, yes, I do believe that. And I do believe that, and that's part of seeking purpose that goes beyond, uh, goes beyond ourselves. Getting above yourself, thinking about others. Another kind of theme with, with Leaderly in the show is, is living Leaderly isn't tied to a position or a title. We live, live Leaderly in many aspects in our life, and it doesn't have to be as the CEO or as a platoon leader or as a commander or any of those positions. So if you could think about maybe the most impactful people or the people that you admire the most in their lives, what are ways that you observe them living Leaderly and that you've tried to incorporate in your life maybe? Well, the, the thing I, which I think is a core component of leadership is, is mentorship and mentorship, you know, there's a lot of different dimensions of mentorship and there's a lot of, of, of levels of mentorship, uh, but mentorship is essentially the notion that you're going to pay it forward. I don't know if you remember that, that movie pay it forward from many years ago, but the idea that um, there's a compounding effect of goodness <laughs> in the world that comes from taking your wisdom, your experience, your empathy, uh, and sharing it with someone else, usually someone behind you in terms of age that's coming along, but not always, uh, and being having the capacity to try to put yourself in their shoes, try to think through uh, and see the world through their eyes, and then take all the wisdom and experience you've had and try to help them navigate, whether it's career choice or relationship or priorities in life, that's a, really at the core of mentorship and helping them realize their uh, life's dreams and, and their life's purpose. And, and we can all do that. We can all do that in big ways and small. And, um, and, and a person, a number of people have done that for me. One person that, um, that goes beyond that football coach was a professor. And teachers often can play this role, but any of us can play this role. Uh, but a professor who, uh, when I went to graduate school, I had been an engineer, wasn't much of a writer, and he took an interest. And uh, he used to give me back my papers and I'd write a 10 page paper. And then I'd, I'd look at the paper and there'd be a little penciled pencils throughout uh, A, B, C, D. And then at the end of the alphabet, double A, double B, double and these little pencil marks. And then you'd get to the end of the paper and there'd be a tight set of pages, often longer than the paper itself that had a comment next to each letter. A, you know, that's your, your mission statement. not very clear. And it would be this incredible critique that would essentially shred my paper. And he would spend more time on, on grading the paper than I probably spent on writing it. But that became the beginning of a relationship and a friendship where he helped me uh, learn to write and helped me. I ultimately wrote a dissertation and a book and got a PhD and wrote another book. And it was all because of that moment where he took that, that time and that energy. And, you know, he encouraged me to do a PhD and I didn't think I, I didn't think I had the brain for it. I hadn't, I hadn't gotten particularly good grades at West Point. And um, he said, no, no, you can, you can do this. You have this ability to do this. So he had confidence in me and that's what leaders can do. They can instill confidence in people to help them realize their, their potential and as a consequence, I got a PhD at Princeton and, you know, this became the beginning of my career. So it's those investments can make a real difference and they can have compounding effect. So, uh, you know, the investment you make in someone else uh, can help them become someone who could, you know, change the future of the country or change the future of the world. So um, there, there's uh, it's no it's no small thing to, to, to make that investment. 
What a what a professor. I, I like that that phrase, compounding effect of goodness. I'm going to keep that one, Dave. What a guy to write a, a paper longer than your paper itself, just just to pay it for it, like you said, and to make you much better and, and to pour all his knowledge in, into you. That's that's a that's a great that's a great example of that. Well, Dave, we're about to close it out here in a little bit, so I'll, I'll throw it back over to you. If you have any any closing thoughts for the podcast, and I know you have a new book coming out in March as well. Yeah, I got a new book which is coming out. It's called Superpower in Peril, and it, it's a book about the future of the country. And it's uh, even though the title is a bit daunting, it it really lays out a, a positive, aspirational vision for where America could go. We've had a history of being on the brink. Of, of decline and failure and renewing ourselves. And that's that's sort of the American story. So this is my attempt to lay out that plan. It's available on Amazon. And um, and it's really uh, my my attempt. You know, you lead in different ways through different phases of your life. I'm I'm now trying to take all the 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 wisdom and battle scars and failures of my 57 years and think about the next phase of leadership. And so part of that is in in writing and uh, and ideas, part of that's in mentoring others. And part of that's just uh, trying to encourage others to uh, step up and, and find their their leadership voice, which I, I know is the, the goal of this podcast. So thanks for having me. It's a, a pleasure to be with you and uh, wishing you good luck. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Thanks for joining the podcast and sharing your, your nuggets of wisdom over the years. And for those out there listening, thanks again for joining here on the Live Weirdly podcast.